0: Welcome to the Female Empowerment Podcast. My name is Carolee, and I'm a big believer in actively bringing about more goodness to our communities. It feels good to know that we're not alone and that someone else out there has experienced the same challenge we're facing now. Whether those challenges are related to business, motherhood, or general life as a woman, this podcast is a platform that I've created to allow women to share their inspirational stories and greatest business tips to help make your day just a little bit better and your life just a little bit easier. Keep listening to learn from our amazing guest of the day and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Hi friends, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Dawn who's here with me today. She's an accountant and here's a little bit more about her. Dawn is a small business CFO who has a passion for helping small business owners with their accounting and taxes. After years of working for another company, Dawn made the jump to start her own business centered around helping entrepreneurs. She absolutely loves what she does now. Today, she's here and more than happy to share her knowledge with us about the things we need to know when starting a new business. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. I get lots of questions about kind of the legal side of things and the accounting side of things as I'm working with my branding design clients. And so I'm so excited to have you here to kind of clear up some confusion, give us a little bit more clarification on some of those common questions that I get. So if you don't mind, we'll just jump right into it. I would love to ask you a bit about just the steps for starting a business. What are a few things that we should know? And where do we even start when it comes to Kind of the, the more logistic side
1: of things yes, that is that has to be like the most asked question ever, so I'm glad <laughs> we're talking about this and it definitely depends on each business and what you're doing, what you're selling, if you have the funding, if you don't have the funding, um, if it's service or product based, so I know that there's a lot of like independent factors, but just generally speaking, we can cover those steps that sounds great so step one is like figuring out the money side the funding side of money so are you contributing to it do you need to raise capital do you need to get a loan like where are you getting money to even do this business venture and aside from running your business think on the personal side If you're going to quit your job or something, you're also going to need money to fund your lifestyle. So that is definitely the first step of just like strategically thinking about having money to live and having money to start the business. Um, And depending on your answer, like I said, like if you are going to go raise capital or if you're going to get a loan, some of these steps you have to put a lot more effort into it than just someone who's either growing a hobby or putting their own money into it. So after you figure that part out, kind of the fun part, more fun part is choosing a business name. Um, And I mean, you're a branding person, so you probably have more to say (laughs) about this. (laughs) On the accountant side of things, I'm like, just find the name, look it up make sure it's available and take it and don't overthink this step.
0: (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Overthinking can definitely lead you down a few weird paths and um, definitely, yeah, just look it up, make sure it's available. Some insights that I have from the branding side of things would be, you can look and see if your name is keyword searchable. So if you are not a well-recognized person, and you're using your name as part of your business or as, as your business name, then if people were to go and look up Jenny Johnson, they That's wouldn't it. even think to look up Jenny Johnson because they're like, oh, I need help with like, I don't know, I need house cleaners to come. They're not going to go and type in Jenny Johnson and company. They'll go and type mm-hmm. in house cleaners. And so maybe you want to find just starting out a business name that is a little bit more keyword searchable so that people can find you before they know you. And then as you become more recognizable in your industry and as you like rise more above your competition, then you could kind of brand back to your own name if you desire. And then you could call yourself Jenny Johnson. And then a lot of people will know you already. They're probably already searching for your name. And so it's already coming up with other things. And so that's kind of, there's some tips for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great tip. Cause I mean, like for my own business, I named it Patent Accounting and Tax. Patent is my last name, but I had to add the accounting and tax because that's what people are going to search for. And as boring as a name as it sounds, it's me, but it also has what I'm doing. So
0: Perfect. Yeah, I think that's great. Having that accounting and tax is very searchable.
1: Yeah. And then from the like legal standpoint, it's important to search your state to make sure it's available which you can just do on your secretary of state website and then i would also recommend searching the trademark um you can do that online or speak to a trademark attorney and they can run some searches for you so make sure it's available and all sorts of things
0: thank you i really appreciate that you brought up trademarking because i get a lot of questions about that as well when do you need to trademark versus not? Do you always trademark your company name or?
1: Um, I recommend, I mean, you have to make sure that the trademark is available because otherwise you're going to infringe upon someone else's trademark and it would be horrible to do all this branding, starting your business only to find out you have to change it all in 30 days because you were infringing upon someone else's trademark. So yes, that would be horrible. Be sure. Yeah, that'd be horrible. So definitely make sure it's available. And then as far as when to trademark, I think it really depends on your business and what you do. Like if you are really setting yourself apart from everyone, trademark right away, especially if you're growing fast. If you want to stay small, I don't think it's necessary to trademark. Trademark attorney may tell you different, but... I think it's just a different step for everyone. Once people start recognizing you and your name, I think that's when you start thinking about it. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. So after you've made sure that like your name is available, whether that's through like the branding, social media side of things, or actually legally do both, then you contain like licenses and permits. And so what that means is... For businesses, you will register through your state back to that Secretary of State website where you would search the name. You'll go back there, you'll register your business. And typically, Secretary of State websites are pretty good about helping small businesses know what licenses and permits they need because every state, every city, every county, locality, they're all so different when they require Permits. Like sometimes you need a permit to sell specific services like professional services and other times you don't. And sometimes you need it to sell certain products and other times you don't. It just depends where you're at. So back to like, we're just talking basics here. Basics are check your secretary of state website. And if they don't have answers about like your city or your specific county, feel free to call them. Um, They probably get questions all the time about who need permits. So they'll have the answers handy for you. But for the most part, when you register your business, it should help you figure out what you need to do to be legally legit.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. In my experience, I work with a lot of business owners who are mostly solopreneurs or just kind of growing a hobby, providing a professional service, and then just trying to be a little bit more legitimate about that. So I'm yeah. wondering if maybe you could explain the difference between a few of the business structures that would apply to them, like the difference between a DBA and an LLC and the one after that, which I think may be a corporation or an S Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there are... So basically, when it comes to the tax side of things, because I think that's often what people think about, there's the tax side and the legal side. When it comes to the tax side, a DVA, a sole proprietor, an LLC, um, a contractor, they are all taxed the exact same. You report the income and expenses on a Schedule C on your personal tax return, and that's like your personal tax return is when you'll pay the taxes. An S-Corp is the only one or a partnership that have separate tax returns um, and could lead to tax savings. Now, tax isn't the only thing to take into consideration. Obviously, like there's the legal side of things too. So proprietor, they're honestly they're the same thing. They're just another way of saying the same thing. Um typically a sole proprietor will use an EIN though and a contractor is still using their social security number. I recommend everyone get an EIN. If you're a contractor or a small business, it takes 5 minutes, it's completely free. You just go to the IRS website and request an EIN number and that way you're not giving your social to the world <laughs> when you do a job. So, I definitely recommend doing that. And then um an llc is actually more of a legal protection so it's kind of this legal thing of saying hey my business and my personal finances are separate which means the assets are separate and the liabilities if someone were to sue you if something were to happen and you couldn't repay a debt that llc protects all of your personal assets. So your savings account, your car, your house, your retirement, it's all completely separate from your business. Whereas a sole proprietor or a DBA, they don't have that same protection. Um, And something that happens in their business, they could be held personally responsible for. So as an accountant, I recommend everyone who's doing business, get the LLC. I know in some states it, it can be a little bit more than some small hobby um, businesses are willing to commit to because I think it's about six hundred dollars a year for an LLC in California. But it's such a good peace of mind just knowing that it's completely separate. And it's to me it's worth every penny. So
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. You wouldn't want somebody to be able to see you and come after your personal assets, but just be able to take what's in your company.
1: Yeah. (laughs) hopefully they're not
0: seeing you at all. But it's nice, like you said, the peace of mind that um, they wouldn't be able to get very far if that happened.
1: Yeah. And I think it's hard to put a price tag on peace of mind. So just save the money and just do it. And I think it kind of helps give business owners that sense of pride. Like, I'm an LLC. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely really does. <laughs> yeah, it helps you feel <laughs> more good. yeah. So I definitely recommend that. It does not save you any money on taxes, and I think that is a huge misconception. People think, oh, an LLC will save you money. It won't. It will give you that protection and that's it, unless you also you file a different form with the IRS. Um, 25, form 2553 for anyone interested. And it's it's called an S-corp election. But an S-corporation, just like the LLC, you're saying that your personal assets are separate from your business assets. But it also has tax savings if your net income is over 60000 Um, And the reason for that... I'm going to get all like numbery accountanty on you. But the reason for that is in an S Corp, you have to pay yourself a reasonable compensation. So a salary, you have to be on payroll. And let's say you decide that your salary is, I don't know, $50,000, but your net income every year is $80,000. The difference between your salary and your net income, so that $30,000 won't have um, Social Security and Medicare taxes on it. So it'll save you something around 15% each year by doing an S corporation.
0: That's so good to know. Thank you. Um, At one point, do you need to consider also maybe how big your business is when you're looking at these bottom three business structures like one person versus like a handful of people versus if you have more than 10 is that something
1: that would play a factor into it if you have like more than one person i don't see why you would not have an llc structure in place because then you also have to think about employees and what happens to a disgruntled employee you know what happens if they want to come up to you it's just another target on your back almost. As much as you want to think your employees will be happy all the time, there are things that happen. And so I think that legal protection is probably the biggest part to a growing company. But when it comes to the tax savings side of things, it really is just looking at that bottom line, that net income, um, to know if you should be an S-Corp or not. But back to like the LLC, sole proprietor, the contractor, those are really all very similar, just kind of different names for doing all the same thing. Okay, great. Um, Another
0: question I had was about budgeting within your business and planning for taxes, Um, especially if like you're growing a business and that's your only source of income, And like making sure you have enough to pay taxes at the end of the year and also like sales tax. Could you elaborate a little bit about that for us?
1: Yes, definitely. When it comes to taxes, I think something that throws off a lot of self-employed people is when you're a W-2 employee, Social Security and Medicare is withheld for you. Um, Like FICA taxes, you see them on your pay stub, they're taken out before they even get to you. Whereas when you're self-employed, you're responsible for paying those. So that 15%, unless you're paying it throughout the year, come tax time, you pay the 15% FICA taxes on top of your normal income taxes that you would file. And so it throws off a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in their first year, because all of a sudden you're adding 15% more in taxes than they were planning for. So when it comes to budgeting and saving for taxes, minimum withhold 15% of your net income, which means after you take into consideration your expenses. And then in addition to that, you also have to plan for your normal income taxes. And that varies person to person in how much they're earning. Um, I would recommend just pulling up either your prior year tax return and seeing how much your average tax rate was or pulling up like the tax bracket schedule. Go to, the, go to irs.gov and search current tax rates and see where your income falls and withhold that amount or your taxes in addition to the 15% of self-employment income. And then as like when it comes to budgeting and saving and actually paying your taxes – quarterly taxes are a big thing for entrepreneurs and it, cuz it's a new thing for them right when you're a w2 employee you're paying taxes every single time you get a paycheck when you're an entrepreneur you should be thinking that same way every single time you pay yourself you should make a transfer to like a tax savings account that you have and pay yourself that cert- that percentage of taxes um, or sorry, not pay yourself, withhold that percentage of taxes, put it to your tax savings account and every quarter log into your IRS account, pay those taxes, log, log into your state tax account, pay those taxes and save those receipts. Cause then when you file your tax return, you'll plug in like I have paid X amount in April and X amount in June and it will give you a credit for those payments.
0: Perfect. And that would be a lot easier to keep track of too when it comes time to do um, your personal taxes and everything as well. It'll be a lot easier to go through instead of being like trying to count up all your transactions and then trying to
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: total income and then trying to do the math between, okay, 15% of this and then my sales taxes here, Yeah, that would be much easier to do it quarterly and to have a separate account to store it in. That would be a lot easier.
1: It's a lot easier just to like pay (laughs) because otherwise if you're paying it all at once in one year, it feels so hard to let go of like a huge chunk of money instead of just setting it aside. Every time you pay yourself, you set a little bit more aside. You pay every quarter. And then come tax season, you're hopefully already caught up and you're not having to play that catch-up game because you've already paid the taxes.
0: That would be a bunch easier. So we've referenced a few websites, and we'll put those in the show notes as well so people can look them up. Um, but just to recap, having an account on irs.gov to um, submit all of your payments and keep track of your numbers there. And then you also mentioned the Secretary of State website for your state. Um, do you have much experience like international accounting and like where they would go if they're not within the United States?
1: No, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, they would still have to pay to like money to the IRS. And sorry, let me um, edit the website to. Pay taxes where you actually have a login. I think it's called Direct Pay, but it's, it's an IRS website. Okay. But everyone can go there, create an account, see their payment history. Um, and yeah, that's it's very helpful. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, another question that I have that I've had in the past and that I've heard from other people is pricing and figuring out how much your time is worth. And I know that you had a little bit of insight into how to figure out how much your time is worth and like knowing when it's time to outsource. And I'd love to hear um, what you have to say about that.
1: Yes. So I'm actually working on like a freebie spreadsheet so everyone can download it and just plug things in. But the basic idea is look at your net income from a certain period. I typically like looking at things from just a month to month standpoint. Um, I think, Cause I think it's pretty fair. Sometimes if you look week to week, like in the first week of every month you're earning more, or maybe it's the last week where people are making their payments, whatever, every business varies. So from month to month, I feel like it's pretty fair, but you'll figure out like a certain period that you want to look at and analyze. Um, you'll look at your net income for that period. So look at how much sales you had, how much you spent and whatever is remaining. You'll look at that net income and then you'll divide it by the hours worked during that period. And that will give you your quote unquote hourly rate. Um, And that's what you'll use to compare to per se, either a contractor that you want to outsource to, or maybe you're ready to hire an employee. And so long as um, they, basically, so long as your time is worth it, meaning let's say your hourly rate is $40 an hour and you can hire an employee for $15 an hour, then it's a no brainer. It's worth it because it will give you more time to spend on your $40 an hour Projects where they're only spending $15 an hour on their projects. And if it frees up your time, like let's say they take some of the administrative tasks off your plate, those administrative tasks aren't billable. So all of a sudden you have more time to do billable work and your hourly rate goes up. That's a little breakdown of like how to look at it from another perspective.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. I feel like that helps me a lot. And I know that that's going to help, especially some people that I know personally that have had a lot of those same questions. Here's another question I have for you. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but a lot of these questions are being pulled from um, submissions from my listeners. And so (laughs) this is really awesome. But another really good one that I'm reading that they have is, uh, what can we classify as a write-off if you're working from home, um, for your own business? Cause I know we're in 2020 right now. So a lot of people are starting new businesses. A lot of people are working from home now instead of going into their office. Do you have any insight on like what would count as write-offs?
1: Yes. So only people with businesses are able to write off like a home office. If you're a W2 employee, unfortunately you can't do that. For starters, there's that. And let's make sure that you own your own business. And then when it comes to... Are we talking about just like the home office deduction? I assume that was the question. Yeah. Okay. So deducting your home office, you actually have two options. And both of these, I recommend to keep your finances as clean as possible. I recommend only... Um deducting these on your tax return, don't actually run it through your business. It tends to make things more complicated. So keep it just through your personal account, keep paying your rent or your mortgage and your utilities all through your personal account. And then come tax time, you have two options. You can either do um, a method that just takes into account the square footage and you get five dollars per square foot for your office or you can do actual expenses and you will look at um it still takes into account like the square footage compared to the rest of your house but it will take into account how much you paid in either mortgage or rent how much you paid in utilities and it will give you a percentage of those actual expenses based on how big your home office is so there is a deduction for that but like i said It only complicates things if you try to run it through your business since it's not a like an exact. You can't pay a certain percent of your utilities usually on one card and then go to another. That only makes it more complicated for you. So instead, run it all through your personal account and deduct it at tax time.
0: Thank you. That's really good advice. And then did you mention um, where we would go to find kind of the the information to know how to make that estimate. Um, I'm sure we could talk with a tax professional. Is there another resource like on the irs.gov website
1: where we would find that information? For the estimate for your home office? Yes. So you would either do $5 a square foot or take into account all of your actual expenses multiplied by the percentage of your home office. So. If your home office is 15% of your home, you're going to take, you're going to be able to expense 15% of all your mortgage and utilities. Great. Thank you so much. I must have
0: just misunderstood. (laughs) No, No, you're good. (laughs) Where can our listeners go to learn more from you and connect with you?
1: Yes, I love Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. So come find me on Instagram. It's underscore dom Patton underscore. And then my website is where I have most of my resources posted. And that's just www.pattonaccounting.net.
0: Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. I really learned so much from you. And I'm sure our listeners did as well. And so I'll put those links in the show notes in case they... um. Uh- yeah, so they can go and find them there and then they can find you. Thank you so much.
1: Perfect. Yes. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Female Empowerment Podcast. I truly appreciate you being here, and I would love it if you shared this amazing episode with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at brandingforwomen.com or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at branding for women. See you next time.